Welcome to this special episode of the Hive Live podcast as we take an introspective look at influencing entrepreneurs, a video and teaching series by our good friend Cass Ward. During this episode, we'll talk through some key points of his interview with Henry Rock of City Startup Labs. I'm Jared Latch alongside my business partner, Tim Baer and Cass Ward as we dive into episode 107 of Influencing Entrepreneurs. During this episode, we'll tackle the following topics. When does one become an entrepreneur, donors as customers, focusing on the mission and vision, and leadership versus management, which is a big question within the organizational structure of a company. So starting off, becoming an entrepreneur, how does one end up as an entrepreneur, especially one having a focus on social impact? Henry's life really kind of led up to City Startup Labs, but he really started out very interesting. And as he, as he mentioned, he, he hadn't finished college. He started with the Black Power Movement, and his entire background was based on how to uplift a race. And he spent that time, he spent time in uh, Cory Booker's administration in New Jersey, and really just learned all the social, uh, all the social aspects and, that's needed to start a business. So while he wasn't in business school per se, he knew how to run an organization. He knew how to get the right people together. And really, it's, it's funny because even just being involved in politics was, will, will help you get that sense of community. Additionally, he got involved with black media. And it really is very similar because you all could go on for hours and hours and talk about how being in media and as journalists how that prepared you to run a business and how to run operations. So the question is, when did he really become an entrepreneur? And he had the idea for City Startup Labs many, many years ago, but it wasn't until the opportunity was right for execution that he was able to go out and, and secure his first grant from the Rockefeller Foundation. I actually come from a long line of uh, folks that have thought uh, and as well as uh, put some effort into um, being focused on how we could uplift the race. That was, uh, in fact, that was a theme that was, that started, you know, back in the 1800s. How do you uplift the race uh, post-slavery? So a lot of my uh, familial background is in black history, uh, Negro history at the time. A lot of my familial background sort of intersects uh, black history in, in some amazing ways. So I had that as a foundation. When I was coming up, uh, it was really on the heels of the civil rights movement. Well, I was uh, pretty active in the, in the black power movement at the time. A lot of that really uh, established, was formative for me. I got into um, media uh, as a uh, profession uh, I, I didn't complete college, uh, believe it or not, but I decided that I was going to take this track into media uh, through um, the going, starting it off of the proverbial mailroom. Had a career in television for a period and then went to work in black media, which uh, synced up nicely with my sensibilities. And I worked for some amazing black media entrepreneurs really at the, the height of or the heyday of black media. So, you know, folks like John Johnson, who was the publisher of Jet and Ebony magazine in Chicago. So you talk about grants and that builds on the next point that we want to talk about because there's an interesting dynamic in what he does at City Startup Labs, balancing donors 
and customers. But how about donors as customers? Right. So you need money to start a, a business and you're starting a non-for-profit. So getting investors to come in to say, hey, we need money to give back to the community is a really big ask. Now, there are many, many successful non-for-profits out there, but how do you start a new one and how do you get donors involved? The, the initial, the initial um, concept of City Startup Labs were to get formerly incarcerated young black males into an entrepreneurial role so they could have a further control over their careers. And while that's changed over the years to have a class and um, to, to have a, a class and, and series of seminars to run um, um, entrepreneurs through the, the process, it really takes a huge buy-in to say, this is where we're focusing. So when you talk about that buy-in, I mean, we tie it in with business, but it, you said it. There's nonprofits every day that are, you know, doing cancer research, doing all these different things that are trying to raise funds. This has a little bit of a different twist because it has a business component to it. And I think, you know, I've had conversations with a number of people in Charlotte in the idea that we always talk about affordable housing, but the tangential conversation that always needs to happen there is somebody needs to have a good paying job and, and being able to, you know, lay out their own, um, you know, path by being able to learn how to be an entrepreneur is part of that. Well, in finding those resources where to start is it's very, very hard. So going back to your donors as your customers, it's easy to look at the cohorts that come in year after year to that go through the entrepreneurial classes that he teaches to start up for startup companies to look at them as the customers, but they really are the members and the beneficiaries of the services he provides. But we go back to where we he started as an entrepreneur and how he was raised. It's all built on the, the mission to uplift a race. So we're, we're taking that focus to say, hey, let's help in this area and give everybody the training. And he's had many successful businesses come out of, of his program for for the, you know, uh, everything from at-risk youth to those that have large ownership in minority-owned companies. Now, building off that, I mean, that's that's a, a weighty mission and vision for a company. So, in the case of Henry, how does he effectively communicate and practice the company's vision? And then I want to look at it in general terms as entrepreneur, business owner A, what are some of the things they can do to effectively communicate that as well. Well, again, his his background, even though it was all built on to uplift a race, let's just make it simpler. He wants to make the world a better place, and he's willing to practice it. So he's he's built that cohort, that customer base, where when we look at entrepreneurial startups, we we define success as we have a tech lab that out of every 10 companies, three go on to raise $15 million in fundraising. This is not that, it is not that organization. If it happened, that would be excellent, but it's really trying to, to teach individuals how to start a business. It is not selling, and one of the things I like about Henry that's so, so genuine is he doesn't sell entrepreneurship 
as a one day you could be driving in this type of car or living in this type of house. He says, this is how you can make a living. These are the steps that are required. It's going to be hard. You're going to need resources. And let's put you through a program so you're properly trained to create a job for yourself. I mean, that's the thing is, is to be honest and open about what the process is and not play on people's, you know, dreams. You know, when we sit back and watch Shark Tank and so forth like that, and you see all the success stories that they run out there and everything like that, um, it makes you think, oh, I need to come and make up my widget to make, you know, go pitch uh, all these these entrepreneurs or these VCs on. I think um, to hear the mission and what they're able to accomplish, you know, it's almost like baby steps and getting you there and getting you to that next step to be successful and to and to write your own your own way. That's so important. I think you don't want to create the false narrative of playing with people's hopes. So doing it authentically, presenting it in that way is is crucial for people to understand because Tim's exactly right. You can look at these other TV shows or other ways. You you only ever hear of the success stories, but those individuals don't realize that percentage is extremely small that get to the certain level of success that we put on a pedestal as far as a a society is concerned. Well, and that's how the whole program is set up to where there is buy-in. While the members aren't buying in to pay a tuition per se, they're buying in with their time. They're showing up day in and day out. And as we all know, there's nothing we will show up for if we're not personally invested in, in the concept. So switching gears over to leadership and management, two completely different things. I think Tim and I are or at least myself, I'm grasping the differences more and more as we grow as a company and we need to become managers and other roles you are leading. So talk about how within the confines of the success of a company, how does that affect leadership and management? Well, to me, it ends up being a cycle. So with an entrepreneurial endeavor, you start off as the leader because you're the only person at the table. You have to build your client base. You have to build operations. You have to come up with your mission and your vision, and then execute it. And as you start bringing people into your company, you end up becoming a manager. Henry is no different. He had this idea that he had to sell the vision, sell the mission out to, to raise donors. And we briefly touched on before, those could be looked at as his customers. Who will be personally and um, socially responsible to be a part of this organization? And as he raised those funds to start the class, he then became the manager. He built a curriculum, and he's run this class since I believe it's 2014-15 timeframe. He's had, uh, I think they just had their fifth cohort go through the system. He's in a spot no different than any of us are. Now he's saying, okay, the program has been built, the program can run, how can the program run without me? And he's asking the legitimate question is, how can I take two steps back, become a leader again, and not manage the day-to-day. Yeah, it's the classic work on or work in the business. And he's ready to work on it again and step out of the working in. I mean, we have that same battle ourselves all the time. And, you know, it's that yin and yang. You're like, well, I need to step back and look at the big picture. And then you're like, but I need to fix this. <laughs> Do you think there's a way for those to coexist? Um, it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's number one, it requires a mindset of objectivity. At what point do I just want to get stuff done? And at what point do I want to motivate the rest of my organization to move along with me? 
One one point I want to hit again and following up on the donors as customers because that's something you don't find every day because it's the social impact piece. It's the buy-in from essentially a community partner that is going to support you and push your initiatives forward to then impact others involved within the organization. If you've got your donor hat on, your donor shoes on, is that is that a hard thing, do you think, to get the buy-in? I know it depends on what you're offering, but how does that process differ from a selling or an investment standpoint? Well, I love the mission, but I would tell you that um, if I am the holder of a foundation, my buy-in is in Henry. I, 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 I'm a believer in Henry. I really believe everything that he preaches, you can tell he practiced what he preaches, and he's willing to execute. The other thing is, is he doesn't have delusions of grandeur. He is, you know, this is not a nationwide program from day one and it's gonna be the biggest thing ever. It may be one day, but he's doing all the right things to, to, to start the concept, get a proof of concept, and then grow from there. And I think you get to what I was going to ask about is after your conversation, not only during the episode, but after the fact, where do you see things going for Henry? Where, where is this play out, do you think? The thing that I would like to see happen for Henry, and he, he mentions this in, that he's trying to do, is how can he step back a little bit from it, let the program run itself? What I like to do is to really be able to sort of extricate myself from that day-to-day activity working with uh, these young folks, even though I love doing it, uh, and really focus more on building capacity and building this business. And that's going to take... you know, just a, a shift in focus for me. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying, uh, even though I said what I said earlier about uh, that, that that may have been, uh, you know, uh, a, a hill too high to climb, uh, I, I still really relish working with these folks. And what I get from them is uh, a, a sense of their appreciation for having gone through this. We've all had professors, we've all had teachers, mentors that have a huge impact in our on our life. Henry is one of those people. So how do you replace him in that operation slash classroom setting, but still get the same benefit off of it? And it's not somewhere where you have room for a lot of trial and error. You want to hit it out of the park immediately. I don't see him by any means stepping back completely out of it, but he's already asking the questions on how do I, we, we, we have these in meetings here, how do we train the next Tim? How do we train the next Jared? He's asking how do we train and create the next Henry? That, I mean, that's where the conversation was naturally going to go. You made me think about how do we equip? How do you educate? And then also I think how do you trust and, and let that person go and fulfill a role that's been fulfilled by us as business owners initially. That's that's a really tough scenario. I, I'm not sure if you ever get used to it. I guess if you're able to do it and replicate it and it succeeds, you can get more comfortable. Right, and, and, and that's the thing, the comfortable factor. It is very uncomfortable to give up a little bit of control. Are they doing it the way I would want to do it? There's gonna be a little bit difference. Maybe you find the difference that makes it better. That does it for this edition. Make sure to watch the full video episode of Cass's interview with Henry Rock by visiting influencingentrepreneurs.com. You can find out more about Spiracle Media by visiting our website at spiracalmedia.com. For Tim Barron, Cass Ward, I'm Jared Latch saying thanks for joining us.